Well, once again, thank you for coming this morning. If, um, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we are going to be reading John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And we're going to be reading it out of the New King James version of the Bible. Again, this is our, this is our Christmas service, and so um, typically our Christmas service is a little shorter. Um, but, um, but here we go, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 16. And we've been going through this series called The Paradox of Christmas. Can you look to your neighbor and say, The Paradox of Christmas? Now look to your other neighbor and say, now that's a paradox. Paradox. That's a paradox, exactly. So this is what it says in John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness Did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear a witness of the light, and all through him, so that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light in every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Amen? Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And all of his fullness we have all received, and uh, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. Lord, we just thank you again for this time to come together. We just pray that you'll speak to us during this uh, message. We pray that you'll open our eyes to what you have for us during this message, Father. God, I just thank you this morning for your divinity. I thank you for your power and your majesty and your glory and your splendor. Um, God, I thank you that you spoke the world into existence, man, just through the, the speaking of your word. So much power at your right hand, Father. And God, I also thank you this morning for, for your humanity. Um, that you came and uh, dwelt among us, you tabernacled among us, and uh, you were tempted in every way, yet you were without sin. And uh, God, I thank you that we can come to you through the sacrifice of your son who bridged the gap. We ask these things in your holy name. Amen. You know, as a child... um, our church would always put together a exciting, an exciting Christmas program. And, uh, you know, we would... I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys remember um, the, the Christmas programs back in the day. If Maybe you were part of one of the Christmas pageants. I was part of one that was called Peanut Butter Christmas. That was exciting. 
Um, and, um, but yeah, I remember when I was, I was younger, you know, especially when I was a little kid, like I'm dating myself now, but back in the 80s when I was a little kid, um, our church would put together these big productions. And um, we would get together um, months in advance, and the, the Sunday school teachers would work with the kids, and we would learn the songs, and we'd learn the parts to the play. And, you know, you'd find different people for the different parts in the Christmas uh, program. So, you know, you find the, you know, the wise men and the shepherds and the sheep, and uh, you'd find Mary and Joseph. Those were like the treasured positions. Like, if you were Mary or Joseph, you were... You were the king of the castle, the queen of the castle. Everyone looked up to you. You, know, you guys know what I'm talking about? Haven't you guys been a part of Christmas plays growing up? And yes, Cassandra. Yeah, so yes, yes. And so those were like the treasured positions. And um, I remember one year, um, we were growing up, we kind of grew up in a bigger church. I got, a, I got one of the treasured positions. I, I wasn't uh, uh, Mary or Joseph, but I was the lion. I was so excited to be the lion. And um, that they, the, the old, you know, the, 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 the ladies, I shouldn't say the old ladies, made uh, Christmas uh, costumes for us. And I had a lion costume. And I remember going up and, and I had one line and I said the line and it was awesome. And uh, much to my dismay, later I realized there's actually no lion in the Christmas story. Um, but um, it was so much fun. I mean, I mean so like sometimes we think of Christmas, we think about all the characters, uh, the wise men, and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph, and uh, we think about the camels, and I think about the lion that I was, even though you can't find that in the Christmas story, and um, you think about all these different things, and um, it's interesting because when you look at John's um, recollection of the Christmas story, there are none of those things. There is, there's no shepherds, there are no wise men, there's no manger, there's no Mary, there's no Joseph. There's no Bethlehem. Uh, there's no lion. I can't believe it. There's, there's, there's no star of Bethlehem. Um, there's no main characters. Nothing. You kind of read it and you're like, man, I, you know, if, if, if we just had the gospel of John, I mean, we wouldn't have all these fun Christmas pageants. And, and really what he does, it's interesting, is he, he, he narrows down the Christmas story to four words, to four simple words, four words in the Greek, four words in the English, four words. And the four words that he uses, the word became flesh. Four words, no manger, no wise men, no shepherds, no Mary, no Joseph, no star of Bethlehem, no lion, Four words. The word became flesh. Have a good afternoon. No, just kidding. The word became flesh. Um, the word became flesh. If you go back to verse 1, you can see, so he says that in verse 14, but if you go back to verse 1, he actually uses the word, word, the word, word, three times. So he uses a three in verse 1. One in verse 14, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if, if you, so, so, so we kind of look at this now, and we're like, okay, what, what is he talking about? Why is he talking about the Word, Word? 
Like, like why, why is he talking about the word, word? That seems kind of strange that he's talking, like, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and uh, the word became flesh and dwelt. Like, why is he repetitively talking about the word, word, the word, word? Look to your neighbor and say the word, word. The word, word. Word. Well, the word, word. A casual reader might look at this passage and maybe be a little confused. They might try to, they're like, what in the world is he talking about? Why is he talking about the word? And like, I don't really understand why he's saying this. This is kind of a weird, just kind of seems like he's stuttering and repeating himself. He's just saying the word, word over and over again. He says it three times in verse one. Once in verse 14, like, what is he talking about? The word, word. This is weird. Like, this isn't a very exciting Christmas story. He's just talking about the word became Flesh, I don't understand it. And then he's talking about the word in verse 1. Like, I, like, like I want to I know about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. I want to know about the star of Bethlehem. And here he is. He's talking about the word, word. It's interesting. But to truly understand the word, we might have to take a step back in time and realize the culture by which John was immersed in. The word had a couple of different meanings to his audience. So first of all, John was talking to the Greeks. Greeks believed that, first of all, Greeks were very uh, philosophical. And they believed that the world had an intelligent order. the, The philosophers would look and they'd study the stars and they'd look into the sky and they'd see that there were patterns in the, in the sky that the stars would follow. Uh, the, the philosophers would, would look at nature and see that there were certain things that, that nature, there were certain principles and there were certain things that, that rationally happened because of nature. And they'd look at science and these philosophers would study and, and they said that, listen, we believe that there was something called the Logos, which was the word that, 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 that was in control of everything. He's talking, he's like, hey, listen, in the, he's talking to his Greek readers. He's like, hey, listen, in the beginning was the word. They're thinking, they're thinking, okay, so, so there's, there, like, like we, study, we study the stars, we study the, the sun rises and it sets. There, 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 there's a pattern to nature. We're looking at these. They're, 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 in, in their philosophy, they called it the logos, the word. He's speaking to his Greek, word, his Greek, his Greek listeners. But also he's speaking not only to his Greek listeners, but he's also speaking to his Jewish listeners. They often referred to God as the word. They referred to him as Elohim. Uh, God gave the Jewish people the name Yahweh on Mount Sinai, but that was too holy and sacred for them to ever say. So they'd often refer to God as Elohim, but they'd often refer to God as the word. So he's speaking not only to his Jewish readers, but he's also speaking to his Greek readers. And as he's speaking to his Jewish readers, he's using kind of a play on words and he's going back in the text. If I don't know if you look at the beginning, it says in the beginning was the word. And he's kind of using a, a play on words and he's going all the way back to Genesis where it says in the beginning, again, very similar. His readers would have known this. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God created. Genesis chapter one, verses one through five says this. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and the darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering 
hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw, uh, that the, uh, and, and God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And so in the evening and morning came, it was the first day. So what he's doing is he's drawing a connection from uh, his, his readers all the way back to the book of Genesis and through creation. And, and what he's saying is like, really, I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to speak of the divinity of Jesus. So he's drawing a connection. He's like, hey, listen, in the beginning, it wasn't just, it wasn't just God hanging out there doing his own thing. It wasn't like, it wasn't like uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where, where, where like you're working on a project or something, and you invite someone over who knows what they're doing, and you don't know what you're doing, and you're just sitting there like handing them the tools to do the project. It's like, okay, you know, wrench, okay, all right, vice grip. It wasn't like that. He's like, hey, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was made for him and by him and through him. He's speaking of the divinity of God. He's speaking of the divinity of Jesus. He's speaking of his creativity and his power and his magnificence and his splendor and his glory and his authority. And I guess I just kind of want to, as I'm reading this and as I was studying this this week, I, I wanted to give you encouragement today. Because I think sometimes when we look at life, sometimes when we look at the complexities of life, sometimes when we turn on the news and we hear all the crazy things that are happening, when it, sometimes when we think about the economy or whatever, sometimes we can feel like everything is out of control and we feel like we're just, we're just, I just don't know, does anyone even know what's happening? And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is in control. Like maybe this Christmas season, you're looking at your life and you're thinking of like, what's going to happen? And I'm just nervous and I don't know what 2022 has in store for me. You know, this new variant of the coronavirus. And I just feel like I want to encourage you this morning that God is in control. Everything was made by him and through him and for him and for his glory. His power, his magnificence, his splendor, his divinity. The Apostle Paul says it like this. It says, he says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of and the firstborn from among the dead, that things he may have, that in things, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Some people might look at, at the story of Jesus and they might say, he was, he was just a historical figure. They might look at him and they might say, you know what, he, he was just a prophet. They might look at him and say he was just a good man. They might look at him and say that he was simply influential. They might look at him and say that he was, maybe he, he, he was a God, but he is not the God. And I would argue that if you look at Scripture, if you go from, Revelation through genera, through, through, from, Gen, from Genesis to Revelation, I would say that the Bible emphatically proclaims that Jesus um, is more than a historical figure. He's more than a prophet. He's more than a good man. He's more than an influential teacher. teacher. It emphatically proclaims his divinity. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. God's in control. He's in control of your situation. He's in, he's in control. 
You look at life and it might seem crazy. I want to remind you that God is sitting on his throne and he's in control. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords and he's in control. We don't know what the future holds, but God's in control. He's already there for us. God is in control. When I read this passage of scripture, I, I see his divinity. But also, if you see his divinity, and maybe this is a little bit of a, of a paradox here. Not only do you see Jesus' divinity, but I would also say that you see his humanity. You see his divinity, and you see his humanity. There's a lot of people that argue both sides. There are some people that say that um, God, is, God was a human, but he's not divine. And there are other people that say, say like, maybe there's a God out there, but, but he's distant. He's far off. He doesn't care. He's, he's, you know, he's, 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 you know I, think, I think I was reading, uh, there, was a, there was a quote from Einstein that said, of course there's a God, of course there's a force behind this, but we could never know it. And so it's like there, there are some people that struggle with his humanity, and there are some people that struggle with his divinity. But it, you kind of see a change. So first in John chapter 1, you see, you see he's speaking of, of Jesus, and you see him as being mentioned as the word. In the beginning, he was with God, and all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and, the life that, and that life was the light of him. So you see his divinity, and then you see kind of a change in verse 10, where it says... He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he came, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And the word became flesh. Same word that's used up in verse 1 three times. And the word, the logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. The entire story and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Some people struggle with his divinity, and other people struggle, struggle with his humanity. I, I, I kind of wonder what, what the readers would have thought, the, the, the Jewish people would have thought when they heard John write these words, and when they read these words that, that the, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, you think about, for them, they, they knew God as, um, I just think back of when, when they had the encounter on Mount Sinai, when there was thunder and smoke and lightning. Anyone who touched the mountain would die. I think about when they, when they thought about God, many of them perhaps thought about the tabernacle, where only the high priest could go in and but once a year. And here he's speaking, he's like, hey, the, the, the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. I feel like it, it gives something a little bit more personal. It gives something more, uh, it's, it's, it, you know, yes, God is still divine, but, but he, he clothed himself with flesh, and he, 
he, he dwelt among us. He lived among us. He tabernacled about us. There's something, I don't know, there's something extra special when you think about that. It's not like, again, it's not like he's, it's not like there's, there's suddenly a different type of, a different side to God here where, you know, he, he, you see this, this story of him bridging the gap and coming and being a part of us. And for some of you this morning, maybe you're hearing this message and you've never thought about God having a personal relationship with you. You've never thought about him bridging the gap. Um, you've always thought about God as being distant. You've always thought about God as being far off. Maybe you thought about him as a force. Maybe you thought about him like the Greeks thought about, uh, thought about God. He was, he, was, uh, he, was, uh, he was just something that, that caused everything in motion many years ago. And... Um, when I read the scripture and when I read the Christmas story, it reminds me that, man, God loves us so much. And it reminds me that, man, he, he's as close as the mention of his name. It reminds me that, like, even when life is chaotic, he, come, he came and he dwelt among us. It, um, I think of other scriptures too where it says that he, he knit you while you were still in your mother's womb. I think of verses where it says that he loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's one thing to think about his divinity, but it's another thing altogether to think about his humanity. And to think that, that, that we, 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 like, like, like we serve a God who is personal. He's personal. And I guess I want to encourage you this morning as we, you know, you think about the Christmas season coming up and you think about the time that you spend with your friends and you think about the, the, the Christmas pageants and the wise men and the shepherds and the Mary and Joseph and all these other things to remember but it can all be summed up with four simple words. Four simple words. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. And he came and he lived a sinless life. And then he became a sacrifice for our sins. I'd like to call the ushers forward. They're going to distribute some, um, we're going to distribute uh, communion, and then we're also going to distribute some candles as well. So make sure you don't burn the church down. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's, uh, let's just pray. God, the worship team can come up as well. God, we, we thank you so much that we have this opportunity to be here in your presence today. God, we thank you for uh, the Christmas season. God, we thank you that we can come together and worship freely God, we thank you so much for your divinity. We thank you for your glory and your majesty and your splendor. We thank you that, that you are in control and that even when life is insane, that you're in control. And even when things seem out of control, you are in control, God. And we know that you are the beginning, the end, the alpha, the omega, the, omega, the first and the last, God. We, we, we thank you that everything was made by you and for you and through you and, and for your glory and that we can come together and, and worship you because of your, your kingship, Father. We thank you so much. But, God, we also thank you for your humanity. 
And we thank you that you, you, you aren't a, a God that's far off and that's distance, but distant, but that you took a human form and that you dwelt among us and that you loved us so much that you gave your son to, um, uh, to die for us so that we can experience eternal life. You bridged the gap, Father. We thank you so much that you bridged the gap. And we, we come together today to remember. In fact, this Christmas season is remembering. Remembering what you did and sending your son and remembering what he did in being a sacrifice for our sins. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.